0: Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I want to thank the guys who were around for Guide Talk last hour. The guys did a great job. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and uh, being such friends and uh, men who love to talk about the truth of God's Word. I'm fascinated uh, by today's topic that I'm going to discuss with uh, Dr. Matthew Barrett. He's written a book called None Greater the undomesticated attributes of God. Nearly half a century ago, J.I. Packer wrote in his book, Knowing God, that the greatest need of the church is to think big thoughts about God and to know him in all his glory. But today the church has domesticated God a little bit, bringing him down to the level as if he is a God who can be tamed. He cannot be. So my guest is Dr. Matthew Barrett. Uh, who i've had on the show once before and i said let's get him back on again he is associate professor of christian theology at midwestern baptist theological seminary and the executive editor of credo magazine he's author of numerous books including god's word alone 40 questions about salvation reformation theology john owen on the christian life and lots more matthew so nice to have you back on the show
1: Thank you for having me back on again.
0: Yeah, I remember having a lot of fun with you the first time you came on.
1: <laughs> I think we talked about the Trinity, so now we get to talk about God's attributes. What a treat.
0: Yeah, so say w- more about how you think the the church has domesticated God. I find that to be a fascinating mm. comment.
1: You know, it's so subtle, uh, but I suppose that's what makes it so scary. Uh, it, oftentimes, when we think about God, we tend to, maybe unintentionally even, we tend to think, well, God's just a bigger, better version of me. <laughs> and, well, we do that in all kinds of ways. We kind of look at ourselves and see what what characterizes us, uh, our own attributes, and we just assume, oh, God must just have those in, in greater measure. Well, uh, Actually, the Bible doesn't speak in those type of categories. In fact, the Bible paints a huge contrast between the creator and the creature and really warns us against idolatry because it's very uh, serious about creating a God really made in our own image. All that to say, in order to avoid domesticating God, uh, really bringing him down to our level, just making him a bigger, better version of ourselves. We have to realize, first and foremost, that he's altogether different. He, he's he's not just a, a bigger version. No, he's altogether a different type of being.
0: Matthew, how do we get to that conclusion? I mean, God created us in his image. Do some be, people connect some kind of dots that say, well, he's the bigger version of me then, if I'm created in his image? how do we get to that yeah well
1: that's such an important truth isn't it we have been created in God's image uh, but at the same time it's an image Um, and so we dare not think that we're actually God himself Uh, one of the ways I think one of the ways that scripture can help us here is by bringing to our attention attributes of God that we really forget about and Honestly, we we just don't talk about in the church today. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Christians love to talk about God's love, for example, or his mercy. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, I I sometimes hear Christians talk about his holiness, though we're a little bit fuzzy on what that means. But actually, Scripture introduces us to attributes of God Uh, that we have just forgotten. Uh, Let me just see if I can name a few of them. Uh, For example, God is incomprehensible. Mm. Uh, In other words, uh, He's not like us. Uh, We are finite um, and we are very much bound by time and space. He is infinite. He he's a of infinite measure. In fact, he is immeasurable. He's a God without measure, and he's not only incomprehensible, but uh, this God is a God who doesn't depend on anything either for his existence or his hap or his fulfillment or happiness. Uh, this attribute is called assiety. He has life in and of himself. Uh, We could also mention uh, God's unchanging character. You and I, we change and morph all the time. In fact, we're very unreliable for that reason. But God does not change. He is immutable. Uh, And he's also eternal. He's timeless. Uh, Whereas you and me, well, we are very much bound by time. And, uh, well, we could go on, couldn't we? But the point is there's a creator-creature distinction uh, that has to be respected, and it's the very baseline of Scripture from beginning to end, whether you're reading, say, Isaiah 40, and it's contrasting the one true God with idols, or Acts 17, where Paul is doing some apologetics and saying this God doesn't need you. He's trying to set the creator apart from the creature.
0: Matthew and I— Think of the fact that a mind outside this world created this world. That's where I can stop and go, yep, he's different. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly
1: right. And uh, sometimes it's almost too simple to say, isn't it? Uh, Because as Christians, we believe that God created out of nothing. Creation ex nihilo, as it's called. But that simple truth, that very profound and mysterious truth, well, it assumes, doesn't it, So much of what we are talking about that this creator, he is not created by anyone himself. In fact, he's not even bound by time and space like we are. He is outside of these limitations. Uh, Limitations don't even affect him. And for that reason, he's actually qualified to be our creator. I love what some of the older uh, great thinker said, they said, he's the unmoved mover. He's the first cause. They like to use this type of language to convey how different he is. Mm-hmm. In my own journey as a as a Christian, uh, maybe some of the listeners can resonate with this. Uh, when I started reading some of the old voices, you know, uh, in Augustine, for example, and I started reading the Bible, like the Psalms, I started to realize, goodness, we, we're so used to talking about God in a way that's so tame. But the way that an Augustine or the Psalms talk about God is it, so different. Uh, they describe God as, as the one who is perfect, the perfect being. And if he's this perfect being, then he can have no limitations. And that's what we're so prone to do, is somehow project limitations onto God that would make him more like
0: us. Dr. Matthew Barrett is my guest, and we're uh, chatting about. His book called None Greater, The un, The Undomesticated Attributes of God. You've got me so excited about God's attributes right now. <laughs> I'm serious, Matthew. I mean, you talked about him being inconceivable, right? That's and, right. And then what was the second it, one, like A aseity? aseity, which means God has life,
1: unlike us, he has life in and of himself. Yeah. He is self-sufficient, self-existent even.
0: Yeah, um so i'm just i'm loving these attributes and the fact that we're not talking about these attributes uh, very much in church is or in our christian conversation i find this absolutely fascinating um i want to hear more attributes
1: you know one attribute that is a little bit uh m- more difficult for us to understand uh but actually essential to to everything we are saying uh it's called God's simplicity, and it doesn't mean, you know, we use that word simplicity today to mean, uh, well, something's elementary or basic or easy to understand. Clearly, we're talking about God, so that, that's not what it means. <laughs> um, by simplicity, we mean God is one. Uh, maybe we can put it in a, in a bit more of a, a fancy the- theological jargon to say God is without parts. Now, automatically, that sets them apart from us, because when we look at the world around us, we are very much made up of parts. But when we think of God, we can't divide him up. Like, you know, my kids, we love to eat pie around, you know, Thanksgiving time, and we divide up the pie. We shouldn't think of God that way, though. Uh, It's not as if his love is, you know, 20% and, oh, holiness, let's give that 30%. (laughs) No, actually, All that is in God, as hard as this is for us to understand, all that is in God is God, which means his his very essence is his attributes and his attributes his essence. Now, that sounds complicated, I know, but I think it's actually more basic than we realize. Whenever we read Scripture and it says God is love or God is goodness – that tells us something, doesn't it? He doesn't merely act in a loving way, like we we might. He doesn't become more loving as if he was less so. That would be a scary thought. No, he actually is love, and and we could go down the list. He is holiness itself. So, God's simplicity. This is so key because it then means no matter what attributes we are talking about, we 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 dare not separate them. Uh, if we're talking about love, it's a holy love. If we're talking about holiness, it's an unchanging or immutable holiness. And e- notice how we're even describing these. Well, each each one serves a very specific purpose.
0: I love that description of simplicity. To be honest, uh, Matthew, I've never really put God in that category. I've never thought of him as being simple. I've always thought just the opposite
1: yeah and and you know what that's why it's so surprising um because I think that's the case for for most of us right um uh, these are things that we we're not typically used to discussing but but for most of church history these were concepts that were considered just basic to to being a Christian, to being um, an orthodox, biblical Christian. Uh, One of the things that I love uh, about these attributes is they're so practical as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they really have everything to do with the Christian life. I mean, even with simplicity, one of the things I like to say to people is, you know, after we get done talking about the philosophical and theological ins and outs of, of simplicity, well... Don't forget, this has everything to do with the Christian life. Essentially, it means God's not going to fall apart on you, <laughs> uh, which let's just be honest. Uh, we have a hard time saying that of ourselves when even we're leaders or pastors or and so on. It, no, this is a God you can depend on. Um, likewise, with God's unchanging character. I love how Hebrews, for example, though many other books of the Bible as well, appeal to God's immutability to say if this God does not change then you can have every confidence every assurance that what he started your salvation he will bring he will bring to fulfillment uh and and in our anxiety stricken age that is well that is a word of, of peace and comfort but notice it's not rooted in ourselves it's rooted in who God is
0: Matthew, if we know and understand his attributes, it definitely will help with our ability to trust, won't it?
1: Absolutely, 110%. Um, you know, and we we know this, but we forget it. Mm-hmm. I forget it. I need to be reminded of this in so many ways. Um, I can't help but but think, you know, of another example, uh, God being eternal, uh, which clearly, right, clearly this is something that... that Sets him apart from us immediately, um, but notice if if he is eternal, uh, well, that's that is good reason then why he is the source of our eternal life. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why I like to tell Christians, you know, it, the deep things of God, of God can be difficult to understand, but but what did you expect? This is God after all, but. Do the hard work, because as we're seeing here, once when we apply our minds, our hearts are, are really brought into the conversation as well. So that, for, as we just said, if we understand this is the eternal, timeless God that we are talking about, well, then we, we can actually have assurance that he can give us eternal, everlasting life. And that that is a a huge promise, especially when we live in a world in which we see death day after day, month after month, year after year, and it can feel it can feel hopeless.
0: Yeah, Matthew, you're making me lose track of time. That's not nice of you. (laughs) I I need to take a break, so let me do that. I'll be right back with Doctor Matthew Barrett. His book is None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God. We'll be right back with lots more. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a special repeat performance. So glad to have Dr. Matthew Barrett on the show. He's written a book called None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God. Matthew, I forgot how much I liked you. But I was able, I was able to process that all during the break, and uh, I want to ask you about as we continue to discuss God's attributes. The one that I'm not quite sure of is the impassibility. Would you say more about that?
1: Yes, I find that this one impassibility uh, is an attribute that uh, really was taught uh, by the church for uh, thousands of years um but today in the 21st century we struggle with it um it for i think a variety of reasons um we just have a bit of a kind of default gut reaction against it which i think can actually be quite revealing maybe we've tamed god a, a bit more than than we realize <laughs> um, impassibility uh is is an attribute that refers to the fact that god well he's he's not like us uh we change in our emotions don't we Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know about you but uh depending on what's going on in my life i am really affected by things outside of myself Um, and i can be uh you know one moment The happiest person in the world. Next moment, just feeling hopeless and maybe even depressed. I think we all resonate with that to to one degree or another. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I must. I must just be uh, talking about myself. Yeah, you're talking
0: about yourself. Go ahead, I'll listen. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but um i think the first thing that impassibility teaches us is not god um and, and praise god for that uh, mm-hmm. he is he is not this emotional roller coaster like like we we are so often you know early on in the church this was so crucial because um the the early christians uh especially in a a greek context had to differentiate differentiate the god of Christianity from, you know, the, the many uh, gods of uh, Greek religious practice. You think of uh, um, Zeus, for example. Well, Zeus could be all-powerful one minute, and the next minute he is desperate, um, even a bit pathetic, as he is just desperate trying to, you know, uh, get a lover or change his form in order to win a battle. Or, I mean, the list just goes on. The point is, uh, and sometimes, which is a bit scary, sometimes they would even become uh change and become immoral uh, in order to lust or, or do any number of things. And one of the first things that the Christians said, Christians said was, no, our God is very different he is impassable. He he doesn't uh, – he's not this uh, pathetic, emotional being like, like your gods. Well, that, that set the Christian God in contrast immediately. I think one of the things I like to say to people who are struggling with this is, you know, oftentimes I hear uh, – it can be like a, a prayer group or a, a small Bible study – uh, usually in smaller settings where someone's really struggling, and and that's real, and and God cares about that. Uh They're they're really having a hard time, a hard go at life. Maybe something terrible's even happened, and you know we will just say something, just kind of a jerk reaction because we we sometimes we don't know what to say. We'll say, oh, don't worry, that caught God by surprise, or don't worry, you know God's. He's suffering just as much as you right now, and you know immediately it sounds like oh that's a comfort. But if we stop and think about it, well goodness, that is God just as vulnerable as us? Is is He just in as much in need of uh, rescue as we are? And so what I like to remind people is God's impassibility. It makes sure, it makes certain that actually God will overcome suffering in this world one day and evil itself.
0: Okay, Matthew, uh, Dr. Matthew Barrett is my guest, and his a book that we're chatting about is None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God. And as we talk about these attributes, Matthew, uh, thank you for discussing simplicity, immutability, and impassibility, because I wasn't sure what that one was. I know those have all fallen on pretty hard times nowadays. They're either getting rejected or they're being modified. So uh, to talk about the severity or outcome if a, if a believer fails to accept uh, one of these classical attributes of God?
1: You know, Scripture takes it pretty seriously, doesn't it? Um, yeah. You know, on the one hand, you know, we all have blind spots and uh, in our knowledge and the way we live. And, and so, you know, we want to be gracious and bring each other along, encourage each other to, to study the deep things of God. At the same time, though, if we are very much uh, hostile uh, to some of these, really key attributes of god well that has all kinds of dangerous and even practical consequences uh, and we've kind of hinted at some of those some of those already uh one of let me just see if i can give uh one example we haven't talked uh yet about um god as all knowing um or his omnipotence god is all powerful for example Uh, Another one that I rarely hear talked about is God is all wise. Uh, These are what I like to call the the omnis of God. Uh, He is all-powerful, omnipotence. He is all-knowing, omniscience, and he is all-wise, omnisapience. Why why are these so crucial? Well, not only are they important because we need to know who God is, but if we, uh, like you said, if we abandon one or modify one, the others start to crumble as well. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a a, a spider web. If you ever woken up early in the morning and walked down there's a beautiful web, if you, if you start plucking and at those silk strings, well, the whole web starts to fall fall apart. Uh, so let, let's just take an example that's really practical. Um, if God is all knowing, but He's not omnipotent, well, then He knows everything, but He can't do anything about it. If He is omnipotent but he's not all wise well then he has all the power in the world but he could be evil Uh, that doesn't mean he's going to act in a way that's wise and good so all that to say the way that the world is created our trust in the creator himself as well as our future hope that evil will be conquered and salvation will be ours all of this depends not just on one of these but on getting all of them right Mm
0: mm-hmm Matthew, this is so interesting. I'm loving this. We have to go to break right now, um, but you have to promise me when I come back you'll still be on the line. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, because I've got a bunch more questions, and if anyone else has heard something they'd like clarification on, you know that's always the invitation. I want you to understand everything Matthew's saying to the best of um, his ability to communicate what he said. If you need more, let me know, 877 And Dr. Matthew Barrett is my guest. His book is None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God. We'll be right back. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back. I'm speaking to Dr. Matthew Barrett. He has written a book called None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God, and Matthew, I just feel like I want to get to know some attributes of you before we return to God. Um, did you get? Did you have good grades in high school? I'm assuming yes.
1: Well, I'm far less interesting, but uh, <laughs> believe it, believe it or not, um, it wasn't until I got uh, goodness my second year in college that I started to actually take things seriously, and 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 it was my my future wife. Well, at that point who introduced me to to the world of theology. Oh. And I thought, I had been a Christian for many, many years, read my Bible, but it was like opening the door to a whole new world.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, it's encouraging to hear a man of your intellect uh, was not really paying attention in high school. There's, <laughs> so there's there's hope for me, which I like. And as, as summer's wrapping up, what's your favorite grill food? And then we'll move on.
1: Uh, Oh goodness i you know if i have my choice um it usually involves uh being out on the deck with with my kids
0: uh usually grilling uh some brats (laughs) nice Nice. you're a brat man i knew that about you that would be my guess (laughs) all right let's go back to the attributes of god because they are way more interesting according uh to you so i appreciate that um I'm curious too, how did you get started on this exploration? Did you just keep pursuing it? keep learning because your love for understanding God's attributes I know grew you closer to God.
1: It sure did, and it it really was surprising because, like I said, you know, I had read my Bible and uh loved God. But uh you know, in even in a, a, a great church, um we never really talked about some of these things and and so when I came across them I thought, wow, this this actually makes me love God more, not less. Which is what good theology should do anyways. Um it, it, for me at least, I know everybody's story is a little bit different and, and we're all kind of on this on a journey together at different points in that in that uh, pilgrimage but for me uh it really started um when i was uh way back in college seems like forever ago now but uh my uh girlfriend at the time who became later my wife she gave me a copy uh of augustine's confessions uh, one of the classic christian books uh in history in which uh the the church father augustine talks about how god saved him and how much he learned about god uh after that point well as i was uh we were on like a camping trip i think and i had dropped the copy in a bowl of, uh, a dog bowl of water i thought oh i should just throw it out but let it dry in the sun and the next morning it was dry enough and i cracked it open and i am so thankful for to god that i didn't throw it out because one of the first things i read um by augustine i i I just realized this is this is he talks about god in a way i never hear anyone talk um if we have time, I'll just read just a, a few sentences. Yeah, no, please do. He, he, and, and notice he, he talks about theology in the form of a prayer. He says, Most high, utterly good, utterly powerful, most omnipotent, most merciful, and most just, deeply hidden, yet most intimately present. Perfection of both beauty and strength, stable and incomprehensible, immutable, and yet changing all things. Never new, never old, making everything new and leading the proud to be old without their knowledge. Always active, always in repose, gathering to yourself but not in need, supporting and filling and protecting, creating and nurturing and bringing to maturity, searching even though to you nothing is lacking. Well, I could go on. Augustine goes on for actually a whole page. But what I love about that prayer is notice how carefully, he, he's sort of like walking a tightrope. On the one hand, he's saying, every all the change that you are experiencing, God is making sure you are brought through it. And yet, he is a God who does not change. <laughs> and so he's carefully ensuring that God's character is not compromised or domesticated, and yet... This is the God who is personal, involved, and actually has a plan that he's working out through salvation history.
0: Mm. That's amazing. Matthew, can I jump in with a question that just came through my text line? Sure. Um, How about the wrath of God? He is the same Mm. yesterday, today, and forever. So how is that applicable in the present age?
1: You know, this is a a good question, and it's one that I get a lot, uh, because, well, when we look at the world, we see evil, and it's not just the world, is it? When we look at ourselves, we know deep down we are sinners, and we deserve uh, judgment as well. So what exactly happens when we Uh, actually are rescued and redeemed and ransomed to to now receive grace and mercy? Has God changed? Well, notice we're talking about these things from our very finite creaturely standpoint as we experience them. And so in our experience, it feels that way. It can feel that way uh, because what's actually happened is we have changed. We have gone from those who are enemies, those who even hated God. You think of the Apostle Paul and his story. Now, due to the change in our hearts because of the Holy Spirit, well, now we actually have a totally different disposition. This is a God we love. This is a God we want to serve. All that to say, when we think of God's wrath, well, where does this come from? Is God just kind of flying off the handle? I don't think so. Remember, one of his attributes is holiness. He is a holy God. Uh, You think of Isaiah chapter 6 and how Isaiah encounters the holiness of God, and Isaiah says, I'm undone. Well, the holiness of God, this is an eternal holiness, an unchanging holiness. So when we think of his judgment, this is his eternal holiness and righteousness now being exhibited towards us really in the form of of justice itself, of course, when he has mercy on us, guess what that 's the same attribute holiness, righteousness now being now being exhibited before us, uh, but because of what Christ Jesus has done, his holiness is the reason he can even give us grace in the first place. Paul in Romans chapter three has this beautiful statement. Where he's wrestling with this whole question, and he says, "How can God be just when, when, how can He just overlook sin?" And then he looks at Christ and what Christ has done, and he 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 just jumps for joy and says, "Oh, He is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Him."
0: Mm-hmm. Great, thank you so much uh, for that, Matthew. All right, you in, in the book in your book, None Greater, the undomesticated attributes of God. I guest, Dr. Matthew Barrett, demonstrates that attributes that can be even repulsive to Christians today, like the justice and jealousy of God, are not only biblical, but they're pretty crucial to those attributes we hold so dear, like God's love and mercy. Why, Matthew, are these maybe unpopular, despised attributes so essential to the gospel itself?
1: Oh, uh, what a great question! You know, you mentioned jealousy, so I, I can't help but go there. Uh, when we, we often use the word jealousy in a very negative way today, um, and and, and th- rightly so, we we see something uh, wrong happening, and, and we'll call it jealousy. For example, if someone's uh, just abusive, uh, we will say, "Oh, they were they were jealous, and it led them to to just act crazy." Uh, unfortunately that word is kind of taken on those connotations has kind of taken over our vocabulary but but actually uh some of our listeners might be surprised to learn jealousy used to also have good connotations as well and we've kind of missed out on some of those so yes jealousy can can mean something bad but it can also mean something good if it if it's actually used correctly i like to uh use the example of of my own wife here, if she'll let me, Um, you know, if she, if she were to ask me, you know, if I care for her and love her, and I say, Oh, yes, I, I, you know, I I care for you. Um, But then I, I were, the next moment, didn't care at all that she's, you know, running off with someone else. Well, I hope someone would come alongside of me and say, What are you doing? Uh, Don't don't you have any jealousy for your wife? Aren't you upset? Aren't... Well, naturally we should. I should be because that's a a good type of jealousy, isn't it? It's a it's a jealous love that wants to say, no, I love her, and and someone else can't have her because actually I have made this promise to her in our marriage. Well, if jealousy can be defined as a, a good thing in that way, well, no wonder then when we come to scripture. It can also speak of God in a very positive way. When we think of God as jealous, uh, we can be a little bit turned off by that because, well, with other creatures, that seems quite selfish, right? If I'm seeking my glory all the time, that can feel like, oh, goodness, you're you're quite a self-centered person. You're a bit egotistic. But when we talk about God, we have to remember this is God. He's the one who is more glorious than anyone else. He is perfection itself. He's life itself. And so he can, and he alone can, be jealous for his own glory. And this is why when you open the Old Testament, you see these instances in which he's, he says, I am jealous for my namesake. And then he will turn and say, Israel, I am jealous for you. Uh, in other words, what, do you, what is he trying to do? He doesn't want Israel to go off and worship those other idols. Because when they do so, they're actually committing idolatry rather than glorifying the one true God. And so he's jealous for them in a way that's good and healthy, in a way that actually displays his everlasting
0: love. Wow so interesting uh dr matthew barrett's my guest his book is none greater the undomesticated attributes of god i've got another question here for you matthew but i have got to be careful of my time because i want to let you run free when i ask this question (laughs) and i don't want to say hey can you speed it up because i got to take a break so i'm going to take a break one minute early than i normally do when i come back i'll ask you the question it has to do with uh today's theology and is it leading believers to worship god I've got more to that question when we return. Dr. Matthew Barrett is my guest. It's always a good time to show Christ's love to a hurting world through acts of kindness. So you can join our Kindness Always initiative at MyFaithRadio.com. You should check it out. And if you want to receive a daily email featuring a nice scripture graphic, you can sign up for the Verse of the Day email also at MyFaithRadio.com. We will be right back. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. All right, if you missed any of this hour in particular, you're going to want to go to the beginning and hit start. So go to myfaithradio.com, the afternoons with Bill show page and look for Matthew Barrett. His book is none greater, the undomesticated attributes of God. I know I'm going to be listening to this again because I'm kind of a slow learner, but, uh, it's going to be up on the uh, website just uh, 15 or 20 minutes after the show. So Matthew, now let's talk about, uh, uh, the theology that is the theology today leading Believers to to really worship God, um, mm. or is it or is it is the generation of believers today a little anemic when it comes to understanding theology? Therefore, um, maybe a not a complete understanding of God and His attributes.
1: You know, when we read the scriptures, uh, the Psalms for I, I can't help but go back to the Psalms because uh, David, for example, uh, David. Doesn't have. I think if if we were to resurrect David and bring him back into our own setting, he just wouldn't have a category for the way that that we tend to segregate, separate, divorce who God is from from worship. Um, and and yet, when when we uh, look at our churches today. There's many good things about our churches, but I think one thing we struggle with is, is just this. We we tend to think, oh, you know, theology and all that stuff, that's, that's for nerds and maybe people who, you know, go to seminary. Uh, we're here in the church, and, you know, this is about worship. And, well, when you open the Psalms, David doesn't think that way. Uh, David wants to talk about who God is, and the more he talks about who God is, the more he just bursts out in, in praise. So I like to tell my students, and I'm also a pastor in the church, I like to tell churchgoers, listen, theology, it always should lead to doxology. Always. And and so one of the ways we can do this is is simply by recognizing that uh well we we experience so often and we like to talk about rightly so what God does for us. But who God is, is really the foundation, the the very foundation for what he does and all the benefits that we receive. So I guess I would say to listeners, you know, if you're a Christian, uh, study the deep things of God. Don't treat God like a a cosmic uh, Santa Claus, as if, you know, you you just go to God as a means to an end, to, to sort of get something better. Something else besides God. No, God is the end. Uh, he's the destination. Uh, he's the one that we want to worship. And, and that's where actually our, our happiness is going to be found. And so I, I can't help but return to that basic statement that the Psalms keep repeating. God is good. His, his steadfast love endures forever. Well, it's because God doesn't just merely have some goodness to offer us, but he is goodness himself that we then go to God And we we just marvel at the ways that he is good, and and it leads us to worship. I I say we'd be like David, who said, and I think it's Psalm 27, there's just one thing he wants, one thing only. He wants to just gaze at the beauty of the Lord.
0: Mm. I I love that you're pointing us to worship. I would even suggest, and Matthew, you can agree or disagree, that you can worship your way out of some addictions.
1: Hmm. You know, worship is so key, isn't it? Yes, uh, I, I think theology and worship; these two things go hand in hand. And so, I would say to to folks, don't don't think, "Hey, I've got to hold off on thinking about God, and and until I, you know, get things together in my life, or or I just need to worship." No, no these things go together. So, worship God, and and I think what you will find is your life is transformed and it's transformed because your view of God himself is transformed.
0: Matthew, I so appreciate that answer. And as we think about our desire for assurance, we want confidence uh, in God Mm. and we want assurance, but it seems that from your book, it makes wonderful sense to focus on the attributes of God, because when we fully understand God does not change, and that we can trust in his promises. When we spend time dwelling on his attributes, we go, we understand God much more deeply and that's how right. immutable he is. And then you start to feel that confidence.
1: You know, that's exactly right. I think sometimes our default instinct is to say, oh, we want a God who's like us. But like you just mentioned, if if we think that way, well, it's not really God we're thinking about. and Really? Then that's not the type of God who can save us. It's not a God who's going to come through on his promises. Because if he's anything like us, he's just as much in need of rescuing as we are. So all that to say, you know, I love the illustration uh, from C.S. Lewis, one of my favorites, I think many people's favorites, uh, in uh, Narnia when – I think it's Susan – asks, she hasn't met Aslan yet, right – and she asks uh, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, um, "Is Aslan safe?" And they sort of laugh, <laughs> and they say, "Safe? Of course he's not safe. <laughs> he, he's Aslan, uh, but he's good. He's good." And I think we we need that admonishment. That, that we're kind of Susan, aren't we? We, we we just want to know. Well, is this is God going to be safe? You know, and and uh, what what are we doing? Well, we're trying to tame God. We're trying to domesticate God. Uh, of course, He's not safe. He, he's God, after all. Uh, he, he's He's altogether different than you, um, but He is good, and He does have your good in mind. And so, with that said, that actually changes our whole perception then of of who this God is and. And really, like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, it then brings us to our knees in humility. And we say, you know, woe, woe is me. Who am I to even contemplate this God, let alone receive mercy from him?
0: I'm fascinated, Matthew, with your idea of domesticating God. I've never quite heard that until your book came out. And Matthew Barrett is my guest, and his book is None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God. So when people domesticate God, and I've heard people say things like, well, I know God, and my God would never, and then fill in the (laughs) blank. And I think, well, you've created God in your own image. You have dumbed God Mm -hmm. down or domesticated him, so you have some control over what he's going to do and what he's going to say, which is ludicrous.
1: Yes. Yes, and this is... You know it it's really the word domesticate it's a strong word, but it's actually a nice way of saying "Don't commit idolatry <laughs> um when we domesticate God, that's what we are we're we're flirting with it at the very least we're flirting with it uh we're we're wanting to tame God and um really make him a bigger better version of ourselves. And, well, this is a really popular move, if I'm honest. This is a very popular move in the last century. Um, Some have called it monopolytheism, a big big word, but all it means is that, well, then God is just like the gods of of those nations around Israel, many gods actually – very dependent, uh, you know. In Isaiah forty, Isaiah God mocks them. Oh, you, you need to be fed. You need, to, you need someone to make you. you. You know, you're dependent. Well, if that's the type of God we're talking about, that's not a God worthy of worship. So mm-hmm. I would say to the listeners go back to the scriptures, and go back to some of the church fathers like Augustine, and humble yourself. And I think what you will find is. This the God that I am now seeing. This is this is not a God of my own making. It can't be. This is a God who is altogether uh, a, a different type of being, one who is incomprehensible, immutable, eternal, timeless, and, and so much more. And this is a God who who's actually worthy of my worship. Then,
0: mm-hmm. Matthew, if I, I get the book None Greater, uh, will I learn about the mystery and character of God?
1: Yes, absolutely, and you not only will learn about the, the mystery and character of God, but this is the case for me. The more I study God, the more I realize I don't know, and it just drives me deeper then to keep going. So yes, none greater, the undomesticated attributes of God, it'll walk you through chapter by chapter, short chapters, through each of the attributes of God. Um And uh, I think it'll do just that.
0: Yeah. It's really fired me up. I'm all excited now to study more and focus on the attributes of God. So thank you so much for what you've done for me today.
1: Absolutely. And thank you for for having me. What a a joy to come on.
0: But thank you so (laughs) much for doing the show. Thank you. Yeah. Enjoy your brats tonight. Dr. Matthew Barrett has been my guest. His book, again, is None Greater, The Undomesticated Attributes of God, if you want to receive a daily email featuring a scripture graphic, you can sign up for uh, at for the verse of the day at MyFaithRadio.com. I think you should do it. I think it's great. And if you want to share your Faith Radio story, is if Faith Radio has become a part of your daily journey with God, we'd love to hear your story. You can share how God is using Faith Radio to encourage you and to help you grow. You can do that also at MyFaithRadio.com. That's our show for today. I want to thank the guys who made the power panel so wonderful today uh, during Guy Talk and then this wonderful hour with Dr. Matthew Barrett. I I know I'm going to listen to this hour again. I want to hear it one more time. If you missed any of it, you can go to MyFaithRadio.com. Check out the webpage. Have a great night, everyone, as you lay your head on that pillow and know that God is working out his great plan in your life, and he loves you. I do, too. See you tomorrow.